sermon number 561, A Pilgrim's Progress, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on January 31st, 1971. And the text is John 4, the 39th verse, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Hear the word of God as it is spoken by his Son, Jesus Christ, and recorded in John, the ninth chapter, the 35th verse. Please remember that this particular passage comes following a healing experience where Jesus has cured a man who was born blind. And because of what Jesus had done, to this man in giving him sight. The man was excommunicated from the worship and from his synagogue. Jesus heard that they had cast this man out whom he had healed. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who speaks to you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And then Jesus said something that's very difficult to understand. For judgment I come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Now some of the Pharisees near him heard this, and they said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Those last few lines are very, very difficult words to understand. When you read them for the first time, you think immediately that your eyes are playing tricks on you. You know your eyes can play tricks on you. And when you read these words, you begin to question whether or not you're reading really what is said. Is Jesus, who came into this world, is the light of the world, and who healed people, and, and who made blind people see, can and will he also make People with 20-20 vision, people like me, blind? That's what it says. Let me read it again. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see 
may become blind. I don't want to become blind. And is Jesus going to make me blind because I see? Very difficult words. And it's probably only after some time of consideration and soul-searching and great contemplation that the blinders become lifted and we are able to get some insight into the, the secret meaning of these difficult words. And when we do do this, I, I think we find that even though the rest of the ninth chapter of John deals with the historical sequence of events it took place when Jesus healed a man who had been blind from his birth. We can pretty well assume that these final words in that same ninth chapter are not talking about physical eyesight, but rather spiritual eyesight. It is Jesus' contention, I feel here, that is, unless we are healed of blindness, we'll never really be able to get to see the insight and the perspective that he would have us to find as to who he really is and what it is that life is all about. Because he has put these final words into the ninth chapter, you see, this turns the entire chapter into something more than just an incident of recorded history of what happened when Jesus healed a man. This makes this particular ninth chapter an eternal parable which tells of the pilgrim's progress that was made from darkness into light. It's a story, a map for us to follow, those of us who are trying to grow from not understanding into the brilliance of understanding, of trying to become people who are able to see beyond where our eyes can focus. That's all I can make of it. And I think Jesus, in speaking these words after he healed the blind man, in the presence of the blind man, he was, he was hopeful that people like you and me, we might be able to see the progress which this pilgrim made as he traveled from darkness into light, from blindness into sight, from a deep sense of need to a real meaning of worship. Let's, let's look at the trip that this gentleman took as, as he found Jesus. And that's what he did in worship. The first stage of his progression, we see this man, an individual who knows that he is blind. And he is not ashamed that he stumbles and falls when other men easily walk straight. And he's not too afraid to ask for help. You see, this, this man we know had a father and a mother. This meant that he could have stayed indoors with his handicap. 
Even though his body would grow, his spirit could remain that of a little child. He could have been dependent upon benevolent parents who would have had only sympathy for this man who was born without eyes that could see. But this man refused to remain a little child because even though he had not eyes to see, his body was that of a man. And he wanted to live not like a child, but like a man. So he went out, and he knew that if he was ever going to get anywhere or do anything, he would have to admit that he was blind, and also he would have to beg for help. That's exactly what he did by the testimony that came from those people who were trying to guess who he was after he was healed of his blindness. We know that they were accustomed to seeing him every day begging for help. So the first step in the progression of this man's pilgrimage was that he was an individual who knew he was blind, who knew that if he was ever going to get anywhere or do anything, he would have to have some help. And he begged for that help. And the second stage where we see him, we see him as an individual who was willing to accept whatever help would come and would be obedient to that help, whatever it would be. If you read these beginning verses of the ninth chapter, you will see that here he was begging by the wayside, asking for help, and along comes an individual whom other people said was Jesus. He didn't know if it was Jesus. Remember, he couldn't see and he was blind. But he had learned, as most blind men learn, that if you're going to receive help, you must be obedient to the help in whatever form it comes. So when Jesus spat upon the ground, the blind man didn't ask his would we why did you do that? When Jesus knelt down and mixed the dirt with the spittle and made of it a clay, the blind man, of course, he couldn't see, but being obedient to the help, he didn't ask, what are you doing there? When, when Jesus took that dirty ointment and began to rub it into his face and in, into the holes of his eyes, he didn't say, now just a minute, what are you trying to do? He let him do it. And then when Jesus said, Go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. The man got up and went. He didn't bother to ask why. He didn't bother to ask for Jesus to explain how this thing would take place. He was obedient to the help in whatever form it came. And he did what was required of him. I guess it takes blindness to teach us to be obedient to those who want to help us. In the other and only other parish I have ever been privileged to serve, there was in the local ministerium two men, this man and myself. And he too was a United Presbyterian minister, and Bill Haddon was blind great man. I've told you some other things about what this man taught me through his blindness. 
I shall never forget one of the most important lessons that he taught me dealt with this particular concept. I knew that it was very difficult for Bill to get to meetings and to make calls, and especially hospital calls. So often when I found myself going to the nearby town or hospital, I would call him on the phone and tell him I was going and ask him if he would like to go along, and his reply was always the same, what time should I be ready? You know, in over three years of being close to that man, in, in over more than probably a dozen, multiplied by a dozen trips that we made together, you know, I cannot remember waiting more than a total of a minute for this man. He was always ready. I was many times late, but he was always ready. And we would always travel together, and just before getting to the destination, in those early days, I would ask him, Bill, when will you be finished so that I can pick you up? And being very polite and very proper, he always answered my question with another question, when will you be done, Dick? Well, this was all right for a while, but even amongst friends, this got to be a little irritating. I could never get an answer, and all I got was another question to my question. And finally one day, I guess I wasn't in a very good mood, Bill gave me this answer, and I said to him, Bill, for goodness sake, will you quit worrying about me? Just, just tell me what you want to do and what you need to do, and let me make my plans accordingly. And he shot back at me something I'll never forget. He said, Dick, he says, if you really want to help me, don't do what you think I want you to do. You do what you have to do, and let me be obedient to what you must do. I never forgot that. And sure enough, I changed my philosophy in trying to be just a good Samaritan and to help him out, and usually we both ended up tripping over ourselves. I found out that the best way I could help him 